This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite clear liners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. We watched Noah, and we're going to talk about it today on Good Christian Fun. <laughs> Do you think you can make us laugh? No. You're a clown if you say. Hey. I'm a Christian wife. <laughs> Sicario. Everything. White women are notoriously shifty. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Clean up on aisle butt. Losers, in other words. (laughs) Oh, it's sad. R.I.P. It's sad and savage. Welcome to Good Christian Fun. I'm Kevin. I'm Caroline. And we're here to have Good Christian Fun. The thing that, you know, it's been a week, but the thing that really picked my spirits up is seeing really tasteful art of Alex Trebek hosting Jeopardy in Heaven with RBG, Chadwick (laughs) Boseman, and Sean Connery as the guests. Or maybe John Lewis was the third one. It's like an SNL skit. It's so funny. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's like Celebrity Jeopardy. Oof. Tacky. Well. Good Christian Fun, though, is the podcast where we talk about Christian pop culture, which Jeopardy is not. That is a secular show. Uh, Yeah. We're talking about the movies and music, the entertainment made for and made. We're talking about unifying the nation. We're talking about healing. And I love unity. Some people (laughs) don't know that about me, but I actually love unity. And I, I think it's good. I think we should be, yeah. And this is, we just need to calm down, literally forget everything that's ever happened and just unite. Well, and for me, I put the UTI in unity myself. Oh, terrific. (laughs) And I put the NY because I love New York. And I was there when the coronavirus uh, broke out Big Apple, when you went abroad. That's right. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're not here to make fun of you, to make you go to church, bash your beliefs, or give you ours. We're just here to have good Christian fun. We don't believe anything on this show anymore. (laughs) No. We are jello. We'll take whatever, (laughs) leave whatever, and the whole thing. I'll just sort of agree, you know, in general, whatever's going on. And just kind of wiggle around in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, (laughs) too. Uh, The topic for today is. Noah, parentheses, 2014, the Darren Aronofsky movie. Had you seen this before, Caroline? Yes, uh, I was going to bring this up, but I saw it at an interruption. That's at right. The there was family theater. Yes, there was <laughs> dated it's sentence. One of the, yes. Yeah, it was one of the worst ones I've seen. It wasn't good. The, the so, jokes were just like, oof. There used the to time. be this show in Los Angeles where it was essentially Mystery Science Theater Live, and it was Doug Benson hosting it, and they usually had really good comedians. Um uh, it was on one the of the lineup. most fun shows, like every time. It was sure. so good. And then they yeah. had some misses, and Noah was a miss. I also remember there was a weird yeah. thing with like the school parking lot. We all had to run out of the theater to repark our cars. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. Yeah. We I had to like about that. hop over chain link fences. It was very strange. So there was gaps in Noah. So I, I was I was happy for 
the opportunity to watch it again. Carolina, it's 2020. We're mid-November already. Do you think Mm -hmm. we deserve a flood again anytime soon? (laughs) Let's wipe it out. Let's start fresh. Start it again after this cycle. Who do you think is going to be the family that gets to have incest after the flood, though? I think we already know the answer to that question. I'm so glad I don't even have to say their names. (laughs) Kardashian Jenner. Let's get to our (laughs) guests. Oh, friends and folks, an exciting one. She is a writer. She's an author. She's a critic at Vox and host of the Young Adult Movie Ministry Podcast. Everybody give it the hell up for Alyssa Alyssa Wilkinson. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Jazz and stoked. Amy Grant. Amy Grant. Oh, yeah. Was this part of the childhood for you, Alyssa? Oh, yeah. Well, it was until my um, parents fell under the spell of the people who said rock music was satanic. But yes, until that point. So there was a truth teller. There was a segment of time in which your parents were like, hell yeah, rock and roll. And then they were like, no, JK. They were like Keith Green people when I was a kid. And I remember we used to listen to a band called First Call that I've never listened to again. And Amy Grant. And then, uh, yeah, which (laughs) I I have kind of rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, you know, here they are. If it had a first call, undivided. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds awesome. Actually, I remember this very distinctly. (laughs) (laughs) What a what a trio. This kind of looks like us tonight, by the way. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. we're kind of the first call of podcasting right now is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So that's a singles ministry for us in the future. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us <laughs> yeah, tonight on to the podcast. Here. There's there's so much to talk about on on your mm-hmm. on your own podcast, Young Adult Movie Ministry. I feel like there's already probably so much overlap with what you and your co-host Sam talk about on that show with what mm-hmm. we're talking about on our show too. So how competitive do you feel right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, our 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 show is a lot of us just being like, what did we just watch? And that's pretty much <laughs> what we do on the show. We kind of joke that our our um, setup is that we are re-traumatizing one another through film. Oh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. For sure. What what have you found to be one of the most traumatizing things that you've had to watch again? Like well, either you have so- something from the past that you remember or a new thing. <laughs> Well, for me, the the latest episode we just released um, was on the Trump prophecy. I don't oh know. Oh my if gosh! I wanted to talk uh, to you about that. Oof! It is a. It is. It is actually, I think, the worst movie I've ever seen, which is um, <laughs> saying a lot because we have also done um, the Omega Code on that Hell show, yeah. and we've done all kinds of like real bad movies. But this one was by far the worst. But I actually think um, Sam had the most trouble when I. I had him watch McGee and Me episodes, you know, oh, yeah, this, that like, little old demon boy. Oh yeah, yeah, and he had um, trouble with that. Well, it turns out that the you know the kind of fixation on how kids are awful and they ought to be punished all the time, like mm-hmm. it, this brought Physically. something back for him that <laughs> <No>. <laughs> was traumatizing. Yeah. So yes, if you go listen to that, you can hear him just kind of melt down completely. <laughs> oh no. Um, by we the end of it, McGee it's great. meltdown. It would be interesting to do some sort of uh, exit poll, if you will, or survey of children <laughs> who grew up and focus on the family households, who then mm-hmm. gradu- uh, graduated into a lifestyle of BDSM in some way. 
was kind of still looking for mom and dad in some Just sort like, of yeah. comfort That's got to be real. I'm not even joking, right? Well, like, yeah. And there's this the spank episode. spank to spank Pike blind. That's right. There's this episode of McGee and Me in which um, Nick, the kid, sneaks out to see a movie called Night of the Blood Freaks. Oh, yeah. Um, and... Uh, and the whole episode is about how you can never get rid of the images you watch. And oh we God. both realized that the the image we had never gotten rid of was this episode. Was McGee. That kind of <laughs> haunted us our whole lives. So there was like an exorcism going on um, in that podcast. Man, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. Man, hopefully, yes. Yeah. Reliving the trauma so you're not scared of it anymore. Although yeah, I, 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 I'm... I'm so sorry to interrupt us right now. I am getting word on oh, Twitter sure. that McGee has passed away of coronavirus. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so sorry oh, to him and his family. He was being so careful, too. That was weird. I don't he know. He got erased. He, he looked careful, but I was on his close friends on Instagram. And let's <laughs> say the green circle tells a different story, my friends, unfortunately. He was going out. Um, Alyssa, I wanted to ask you more about the Trump uh, Chronicle or Prophecy movie. <laughs> Chronicles. I remember yeah. the trailer, but I, I can't remember. Like, Is it a documentary? or is it like a, a, a piece <sighs> of fiction? It? It's, um, so first of Fan all, fiction? you need to know it was made by the Liberty University Film Department. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. yeah, and it went, um, it, they shot it for about $2 million, which is the budget of God's Not Dead, a movie that was wildly successful. Um, this was not wildly successful. It made $600,000 in theaters. <laughs> and it's, it is kind of based on a true story about a a basically a firefighter who has PTSD and then one day he hears Donald Trump talking on TV and he thinks he hears the go- the voice of God telling him that that man will be president and then it in like 5 years and then it shifts um to people who are praying that Trump will become president and then the last half hour is just random pro-Trump people, um, politicians, and uh, and like David Barton, the historian, who some people might have mm-hmm. remembered, talking about how America needs to be very economically successful because that's how God keeps the world from spinning into chaos. It's 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 There's something not to that. <laughs> Michelle Bachman. Me and my college making a propaganda film for the Trump administration, <laughs> mm-hmm. but here we are. Yep. It's deeply incoherent. I, I wonder too <laughs> oh if now some of this stuff, like what, how, how our relationship to it will change, whereas before it is just like, uh, and now if it will feel small or like, I mean, even though it has been four years and we're still in the middle of so much stuff, but it yeah. just, if it will feel a little less visceral in its Do you think menace. we'll be able to laugh again? I, I hope so. I mean, I what I hope is that we don't have a reason to cringe more in ten years about it than we are right now. But yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's been rough, and watching this was like, oh, I just can't. Like, I I can't. I can fathom where everyone is coming from in this movie, and mm. I like don't want to. No. Um, I would prefer to. <laughs> Prefer to let it sail out. And, you know, it kind of did sail out into kind of the sands of time. 600000 on a $2 million budget is... Although, as Sam puts it on the podcast, he's never seen a movie that's so deeply smacked of tax shelter as this one. So... <laughs> I was going to say, that's a pretty, like, Trumpian return on investment, I'd say, as well. Yes. So, so it's yeah, kind of in 
running in. theme with the yeah, like, the subject like they wanted to covering. lose that money. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, it yeah, was like, it, it was huge. A uh, documentary came out earlier this year called "The Trump I Know," which seems to be a series of interviews oh, yeah. with women saying like. Hey, he never touched me, so he's a good man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That's how you know. <laughs> how you get those women back on board. Mm-hmm. 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 Choo-choo. Mm-hmm. Well, Alyssa, we'd love to talk to you about your background, how you grew up. I think you and I maybe have a little bit of overlap with some of our backgrounds when it comes to homeschooling stuff and things of mm-hmm. that nature. So where did you grow up geographically? So I grew up northeast of Albany, not very far, Albany, New York. Um, the, that's actually the largest suburb in America, believe it or not. And, oh, wow. uh, and fun fact, it's where Keith Raniere and the Nexium sex cult had their headquarters. Oh, um, same, same, uh, same condo complex that my aunt, several of my aunts and my grandparents have lived in. It was, it's a trip. Whoa. Um, yeah. And was, yeah. Well, Alyssa's leaving out one time. She came back and all of her aunts were in volleyball <laughs> gear and they, <laughs> and it was like, was like 1130 really PM. Really you're gonna be a libero. Two a.m. <laughs> Gear um, up. Yeah. So I'm from there, um, and I grew up going to a large and 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 pretty good uh, evangelical church in the area um, that is in like kind of a close to Albany suburb. And yeah, I was uh, I was in the private school that that church runs uh, through the fifth grade, but a bunch of my friends were being homeschooled. It was the early night. I guess it was the mid '90s by then, and homeschooling was like the thing to do. And so the roaring '90s of the homeschool revolution, uh-huh. really, yeah, time. the industry boom. It was yeah. more popular then, right, than it is now. I mean, I you guess know, everyone's I think, doing it now, but to I, yeah, I think it was. <laughs> I think it was less diverse than it is now. Like I think that back then, if you were a homeschooler, you were either a hippie or you were a fundamentalist Christian, and now like quote unquote normal people (laughs) homeschool too right (laughs) um but that's not what it was like back then so um so yeah we started homeschooling my parents became kind of tangentially involved with bill gothard and that whole world because um because we had a lot of friends who were deeply into it what is Um, bill gothard yeah i was gonna say i don't know that one either (laughs) so imagine nexium but christian um and but still with like the multi-level marketing and the seminars and there was oh, a whole dude. homeschool group and they have these training center. It starts to get real creepy when you dig into it. They have these training centers in like Indianapolis and in Flint and in Dallas. They still exist. But Bill himself um, was uh, accused of <laughs> sexual harassment and kind of like molesting some younger women Mm -hmm. um in the organization a few years ago and so uh i looked him up recently at the behest of somebody on twitter who i know and it turns out he's a big trump guy now so um that wasn't all that surprising (laughs) but he was um if you remember the duggars um yeah from tv they were into him and when the son was also allegedly molesting his sisters that it was sort of like hidden underneath the umbrella of this organization because they believe in like authority structures and stuff like that yeah um apparently 
Um, Mike Huckabee is really into Bill Gothard, too. So that's who that was. And they had a lot of uh, ideas about what you were supposed to do with your life if you were a teenager, like what you were supposed to wear. And you could, that was the rock music thing. You couldn't listen to rock music. Mm-hmm. That was a big part of my life. And then... That must I, have been as, intense. It was intense. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> That's really intense. It was a lot. Anytime you meet somebody who went through it, you immediately have like this whole subculture that you can pull from that even, you know, Christian subculture wasn't wasn't part of it. So I didn't grow up like listening to a lot of Christian music or like going to concerts or youth group or anything like that because that was considered too extreme so so how did it work for you socially because i feel like so much of what kept me in it when i was a kid was the social attraction to it just like yeah Mm -hmm. just being in a group and being a part of something yeah i mean it was it was my world all my friends i didn't have a lot of them it was a small group of friends but all of them were part of this um and i was very into um i was a musician so i was pianist and I played like a whole bunch of other instruments and I was like in choirs and those were all very centered on kind of the adult experience and the teens were allowed to be part of it and that was just the world that I was part of Mm -hmm. um so it was pretty different from my peers um I only kind of picked up on a lot of Christian subculture stuff when in my senior year of high school which was kind of a gap year for me because that's how homeschooling works. I um, got a part-time job at the local Christian bookstore and we were allowed to bring home um, the demo tapes and CDs. Oh, nice. uh-huh. Yes. Awesome. So I could bring them home overnight. So I would bring home um, the wow compilations uh, so that I, and then I started to learn who all these artists were and uh, it was the era of the prayer of Jabez. Mm-hmm. That was the oh year Lord, that, I that you would there. bless me indeed and <laughs> make me rich. What was the rest of it? <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it was, and it was not just the prayer of Jabez, but it was the prayer of Jabez, um, like for teens. You know how the business yeah. goes for teens and for like singles and for moms and for spinster women <laughs> for, for, for like people kids. with cats and then there were like <laughs> coins and there was like I remember there was a toothbrush that had the prayer of Jabez oh printed on it so that I need when to look you brush this up. your teeth in the morning yeah you have like unlocked a memory that I completely <laughs> forgot about of all and this prayer of Jabez shit an enormous amount of my job there was to unpack the daily boxes of shipments of the prayer of Jabez books that we we would get in every day. Um, it's enlarged my territory, Kevin. Enlarge- <laughs> it's literally enlarged my border. Enlarged my border. Truly? Yeah. Oh, my God. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. That's, I mean, that's the I mean, this prayer, thing, but. this launch parodies. The Mantra of Jabez was a Christian parody, which we all know how <laughs> oh good those are. Gosh. Derek Webb from Cayman's Call wrote Wedding Dress about prayer Jabez. That's funny. Wow. That's very funny. Damn. Yeah. Interesting. So it, it was a, that was that year. And then um, when I went to college, I, I lived at home because part of the kind of homeschool idea of the era was that if you were a girl and you went to college, it was like just kind of like so that you would be able to support yourself if your future husband kicked the can or something. So <laughs> you weren't supposed to leave home. So I, I luckily oh I grew up in Albany where we have really good colleges and universities and ended up at a tech school um, that isn't Christian at all, but I was part of university there. Oh, yeah. Um, so I went to Urbana in, I guess, 2003 or two, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, was your faith course- evolving throughout, even with like the different environments, or was it pretty consistent? You know, I, I think I dropped the homeschool stuff 
part of it, uh, you know, the kind of dressing a certain way and avoiding certain things. I dropped that pretty early in college. Um, but InterVarsity is very evangelical, although it was mm-hmm. the first time I had ever met people who were both Christians and Democrats, which oh, I just didn't yeah. think was a thing. Yeah. Um, and I, they were a very tame bunch. <laughs> so we weren't, you know, I spent my Friday nights like playing cards. Um <laughs> Oh, in college. Man. Yeah. And then I I graduated and I moved to New York and joined a Presbyterian church here. Uh, everyone kind of ends up doing that and then have sort of wound my way towards um, an Episcopalian church that I go to now when we have churches. But um, And, you know, I teach at a Christian college that has a pretty wide diversity of opinions about many things. Um, but in the meantime, I've worked for like basically every Christian organization and I just can't, I, that's enough to make you stop wanting to work for Christian organizations. Yeah. You had a stint oh at gosh. Christianity Today. Where, where else did mm-hmm. you work in addition to that? I, so I worked at Christianity Today as the film critic, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Um for four years, I've worked for the unfortunately named Q, which oh. now I keep wondering if they're going <laughs> to not related to QAnon, but I don't know. They're going to have to name that something else. Um, I've worked for a number of arts organizations. I edited Comment Magazine for a while. I actually lose track of everybody that I've worked for because I kind of yeah kinda bounce around a little bit. Um, yeah, but I think a lot of that was like. It, e- evolutions of my understanding of um, uh, theological matters, shall we say. And then by the time I was on my way out of Christianity today, I was like, I don't want to work in a Christian subculture anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's it's not great. And then I got, I left CT um, six weeks before the 2016 election. And they are great people there, but I was so happy I wasn't working for Christianity Today post yeah. post the 2016 election. Especially because it felt like they were really towing the line for a while before they like finally kind of made it. Yeah. Made a, I mean, it, it's just, a, it would just have been a hard environment, I think, if you disagreed with politics. And that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a harder environment because the readership doesn't even really match the editorial sensibility, yeah, as you can yeah. imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what um, that, that, I, I am a little confused almost what their target demo is given how centrist in part their their editorial voices even calling mm-hmm. for the president the president's impeachment a few months ago yep. whenever that was and and yes even seeming to alienate some of their core uh, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of an interesting mishmash of of stuff it is and it, so much of it has to do with the history there like they can claim the centrist position and be a flagship and i think that's all accurate and I think it's pretty accurate to the people who work there but it's also like a small operation in the Midwest and it's very close to Wheaton College and so there's Mm -hmm. sort of an affinity there and a lot of kind of back and forth between the two Um, I don't think that at all represents evangelicalism at this point Um, so I'm glad they're doing what they're doing I think but I was very happy that I was elsewhere doing something else Hey, today um, I was happy to have box. my subscription so I could read your review. <laughs> <laughs> I do still have a subscription. What were you looking forward to like after you left, just even like spiritually or vocationally, I guess? Yeah. Oh, I was looking forward to having a, a steady full-time salary. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. a big part of it. Um, yeah. But I also think, you know, one thing that was funny when I worked at CT was that I was writing about 
film. That was my job there. I mean, it was small. It was just a tiny freelance position. But um, I had kind of outsized influence, I think, because of where I was. Um, But I found myself spending a lot of time in my writing and in my reviews just basically defending the idea that we should even be writing about movies. Oh, interesting. And and I just, no matter how long I would have ever written there, that would have been the place I had to start. And so I was really excited to you know, go to Vox, um, which matches me in a lot of ways, I think, um, sensibility-wise, and just it's a good place to work. But um, I was really excited to not have to explain why we were writing about a movie. Well, because I would imagine my my nightmare scenario with that is that for things that are not straight across the plate in terms of their faith-related thematics, that Mm -hmm. it was an act of threading the needle of okay, here's why uh, Wally is a Christian robot <laughs> you know, or like whatever. Like yeah. this is about how the fall of man and our sin makes our big and larges around us. And we're going to like, right. like just kind of like. Uh, uh, or even just like, oh, something that was minorly inappropriate. You had to be like, yes. it's okay to talk about this. Mm. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I kind of famously, I have like two good examples of that. One is um, I gave four stars to the Wolf of Wall Street while I was there. <gasps> But because it's a great movie Um, (laughs) and I they never interfered with me there. Nobody ever said you can't publish this. Like I I was given completely free reign. And um, Mark Galley, who was the editor at the time, told me months later, like I was a little dubious. But then I watched the movie and you were totally right. And I was like, great. (laughs) But I put a four paragraph content advisory at the end of this review because you've seen the wolf of wall street it's not uh, it's not appropriate (laughs) right um i think it's a record for most f-bombs in a movie right still uh number one yeah yeah and it uh and i got an irate email from a woman who said you gave this four stars so i brought my kid to see it (laughs) oh no No. i i explicitly said not to so that (laughs) was one the review responsibility on her (laughs) she didn't read the review i mean that actually that was my major like wedge when i said hey guys can we please take the star ratings out of reviews because it's not helping us out um but i think the one that i enjoy the most is um have you ever seen the film sausage party no, never saw. No, okay. but I know the I know what you're talking about. It is actually a very intelligent examination of pluralism and religion, oh like gosh. explicitly. Mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. making that up. Mm-hmm. That is what the movie is about. Wow. It's actually quite smart, but it's super dirty. Just super super dirty as you can as you can. It's a, you know, it's about animated sausages and grocery items discovering that God doesn't exist. That's basically what the movie is. And uh, and that review I wrote hoping that it might go a little viral because I just thought it would be really funny, but it was also <laughs> super appropriate for the for the outlet. Um, but so few people saw the movie that nobody read it. And I yeah, was really that one kind of fell under the radar. Yes. Oh, that's gonna, maybe we should cover that for GCF, Kevin. A raunchy anti-veggie tales do. with surprising takes on atheism, faith, and tolerance. That's the, the subheader on it's that. It's a smart that movie. Perfect. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So now, yeah. You, now, it, probably in your position at Vox, you can infuse it as your natural interest leads when you yes. want it to, and then the yes. rest can be. Yeah, you don't have to worry about grandmas taking their children to see freaking. I don't Goodness. know. <laughs> whatever nymphomaniac parts one. And I, two. Yeah. I mean, I'm 
I'm pretty sure I'm the only film critic in the mainstream who wrote about the fact that, like, they quote the Nicene Creed a bunch in the new Blade Runner movie, the mm. newish Blade Is that Runner true? Movie. They do? Uh-huh, they do. Well, but you'd only hear it if your brain kind of, like, was running on that track. Wait, um, Caroline, you know who did a song specifically for the Blade Runner 2049 soundtrack, right? Yeah. Christian Adele herself, rolling in the deep state, <gasps> Lauren the Bagel Bagel. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes, she did. <laughs> Great. Good wow. for her. There's something there. Feature on the Blade Runner movie? Damn. <laughs> Good for her. Yep. For whatever reason. Um, That's so interesting. But yeah, but I don't I don't feel the need to like pick those things out or make them up if they're not there. Yeah. Do and you, that's nice. Have you seen a trend in just like in your tenure? Because you've been at Vox for how long now? How many years? Um, four, four years. Four years. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you're seeing any sort of like uh, trends or just kind of any sort of like through line through the in the way in which media has portrayed things of faith in issues like that. Are, is it going a particular way? Are there things you're seeing more that you didn't used to see that are interesting? Yeah, it's I mean, it's getting better. And by better, I mean more realistic, I think. Um I've kind of, I have like a thesis. The last couple of years it's been less, but for a while it was like you couldn't turn on anything in it without having it be about like God or faith or like Christians or um or like people of other religions, although that happens less in American media. Um but I have a I have a theory that um the kind of resurgence of religion in the public square means that people are actually looking for that kind of content in Hollywood. I mean, I have never been in a situation. I've, you know, I've been like a fellow at the Sundance Institute and I've I've been part of um, selection committees and juries at all kinds of film festivals and I've talked to people all over Hollywood and everyone is really interested in religion and religious people and the reason is that a lot of people who go into the business just don't really have a background and so they're not against it. They just don't really know a lot. Um, So I would say that over the past 10 years, there has been the development of the like you know, after The Passion of the Christ came out, there was sort of this idea that, oh, there's this whole market segment that we need to capture um, because The Passion is still the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. Oh, it is still. I thought it might have been Deadpool, but it's still Passion. Wow. It's still The Passion. But, uh, you know, that's one thing. I don't really think of those movies as interesting or good. Um, But on the flip side, there's stuff like The Leftovers or, um, you know, movies like Silence or First Reformed, or there's always a lot of stuff that actually thoughtfully approaches um, the question of kind of like, what is it to be a religious person? Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. in a way that generally doesn't do the thing where they're like, oh, this person's religious and that's their only that's their personality, personality trait. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's more it's like, like their whole perspective. Mm-hmm. It's more like this person's religious and also they're a person and that's like part of it. Um, and I think that's been really positive. So even, I mean, I know this is a dumb example, but my one of the best and most or least watched shows that was ever on TV is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, a great show. Has a character on it who's a priest. She's just a recurring minor character, but the version of a priest that we get on that show actually rings very true to me of, like, what a mm. what a priest would be like. Yeah. Um, and he, like, is a funny guy who likes to play Frisbee mm-hmm. and, like, hang out. Yeah, with, he's a bro you know, on this... the show, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he also is just, like, a guy or... Um, 
Yeah, I, I can think of lots of examples of this. And so it's even more pronounced in indie cinema than it might have been 10 or 15 years ago. So I, you know, my hope is that that will keep happening um, because I think it's really dumb to have TV and movies about Americans or about anyone um, without talking kind about of all this church we're going to. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. we're all doing it or or we get it, right? Yeah, um, we did or yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that you mentioned now, uh, yeah. First Reformed, that I liked about it was that there was the nuance of like even two different kinds of Christians like yes. in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with so many movies, you get one Christian, they're either yep. like a total cartoon, you know, or totally serious or like a killjoy. But yep. even in First Reformed, because they understood where it was coming from, there was like the more charismatic, like successful kind of Christian. And then the very mm-hmm. like, quiet, studious, academic Christian, like which we all know exists, like if you grew yes. up in church at all, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for a long time, the only portrayal out there was Saved, which is a great movie um, which is that great. I yeah. <laughs> just watched for the first time, actually. But um, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like the imagination about, like, what does a religious person look like and do they have more traits than, than they're <laughs> there, whatever, the, you know, that's changed. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that will develop as demographics shift in the country and also as frankly as millennials who were maybe raised in church and aren't aren't part of it anymore but like they speak the language or who still are um in different ways uh, keep kind of flooding the the scene i think that we'll see some some shifts and hopefully that happens not just with christians but you know with muslims and with people Mm -hmm. of all kinds of different faiths um yeah and you almost wonder too if if uh the same way we were talking about like uh, Trump content having a little <laughs> different like flavor now with it being soon in our rear view. Mm-hmm. If, if there is a thing of like the the kind of dwindling dominance of the moral yeah. majority and the, the religious right makes religion or Christianity or issues of faith less of a scary thing to like a- approach in any yeah. like sort of like media or fictional totally. context where it's like yeah. oh this isn't like ruining my life so maybe it's interesting to partake <laughs> right. in a story about it or tell a story about it in some way yeah even like that movie yeah totally that uh yes god yes movie that came out. i'm very interested mm-hmm. in, in watching i have this screener sitting on my on my counter they just mailed it to me yeah or i um I was remembering that I think two seasons ago, The Simpsons season premiere was called Bart's Not Dead. We watched that. And yes, like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and it's just like it seeped out just enough that people kind of, it's it's part of what we know about the world, which actually yeah. we've been discovering as we've been doing the podcast kind of matches what was going on in the 70s where movies were coming out in the mainstream that were pretty explicitly like often they're apocalyptic but they're not exclusively apocalyptic and there was this moment where it was like oh christian media might not have to be its own separate thing it might actually just join everything else in kind of the wave of different kinds of stuff that comes out that's like the exorcist too that's one of the most Mm -hmm. faith oriented movies ever made hugely yeah yeah and and there was a well, just very various apocalyptic movies were you know have kind of become cult classics at this point, but mm. they're very much like the left behind version of events. So, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what will happen in the future, but I think I've been writing about film for fifteen years, and I definitely saw a shift happen um, 
And I remember one year at Sundance, I think two years ago, I had I went for like four days straight without seeing a movie that wasn't in some way <laughs> referencing like a recognizable religious question. Interesting. Um, huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what that's all about. Less yeah. Omega or, I, I feel like it's also maybe because people are a little more of like, wait, what are evangelicals doing? You know, mm-hmm. like, what is that about? And so like this curiosity is born of like more like to, I guess, like learn about your enemy or whatever and figure mm-hmm. out like what, what are the sincere beliefs, not the ca- cartoony, like mustache twisting things right. that like cause people to want to be in church, you know, or to like adhere to these views. And yeah. the, the beliefs yeah. are simple. At the end of the day, it comes down to three yeah. tenets. The gospel does live laugh love <laughs> love that's yeah. right and it's like live laugh love that's the holy <laughs> yeah. that's the actual holy trinity we do live laugh love together <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh well Alyssa, thanks for sharing your story and your kind of journey mm-hmm. with all this yeah it's so, so fascinating i feel like there's so much more there <laughs> yes well uh let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with more good christian fun this HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to Good Christian Fun. It's time to... Dive into this flood of a topic. (laughs) So we pretty much already talked about all the like Christian (laughs) pop culture we would usually talk about at this point in in your experience. So let's talk about your your particular personal experience with Noah because this was a movie that you did cover for Christianity Today. This 2014 movie directed by Darren Aronofsky, starring Russell Crowe, Jennifer Connelly, Emma Watson, Logan Lerman, Ray Winstone, and Frank Langella as a rock angel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Famously. Man, famously. When, and Logan Anthony Lerman Hopkins, guys. Oh, that's right. Mr. Hopkins. Excuse me. I know. I got to mix it up with Methuselah. that. I, I, mix, I mix it up with that other epic movie where he has like three scenes of him kind of looking mysterious and then is out of the movie <laughs> with, with Thor. Oh, gracious. So, yeah. yeah. So, so, you covered it six years ago for, for CT. So, I did. So, I, I think of this. I really love Darren Aronofsky's movies, all of them. I actually think he's probably of one of the most religiously interesting filmmakers like that's working today. Um, you know, Mother is just a movie about the Bible. But, uh, oh, oh but, yes, about the Bible, yes. Oh, uh, yes. But I think about this movie as um, the one that launched my career. <laughs> and the reason is, yeah, uh, I mean, I had been, you know, writing for 10 years before that, but um, I reviewed this. So I saw this movie in a pr- in a preview screening, like a real early one. I think it might have actually been kind of an influencer screening. Um, and Jake Paul I remember- was there. <laughs> <laughs> he was taking selfies in front of it. Yeah, no, this is, this is when Jake was still in diapers, I think. Um, but... Uh, but I I watched it and I wasn't sure what I was expecting going into it. And as I watched it, I remember most distinctly that there's this kind of creation sequence in it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is even taking the viewpoint of like a literal <laughs> six day creation. I was like, oh, Christians are going to love this movie. And um, I really enjoyed it because it's real weird. And it's just like super weird for a studio movie. It's like the mm-hmm. strangest, gutsiest movie in some ways. Um so I reviewed it very positively, and I was like, there's a whole bunch of reasons this movie's great. And then the comments started flooding in. Um, the most prom- I had hundreds of comments, which you can only really find by digging into the Wayback Machine. Most of them were really um, angry. And oh, no. I couldn't figure out why, um, because the movie hadn't come out yet, and so nobody could have seen the movie. And it took me a long while to figure out that um, Glenn Beck. Yes, I was going to ask if it was Glenn Beck. <laughs> yeah, it was Glenn Beck. And Glenn Beck in particular had said that they never say the name God in this movie, which is technically correct. They well, do never uh, oh say... Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they call God the creator over yes, and over and over. over and over and over. <laughs> what a funny technicality to get stuck on. Yeah, and so, well, he was just, you know, Glenn Beck is just a performer, and so he was using it to whip up anger um, about the movie and Wicked Hollywood and whatever. And of course, on top of it, this is a very Jewish retelling of this story, and it's like very much... Um, pulling kind of threads out of um, like Jewish mystical stories and sort of midrash. So all these things, um, you know, I liked the movie. I continued to like the movie, but my review wound up kind of like landing on people's radars uh, who wouldn't normally read Christianity today because they were like, oh, I wonder what these people think about it. Um, And in the end, it just got me a whole bunch more readers. Like I remember my Twitter followers like shot up a thousand that day, hey. which I still didn't have very many well, at the, the time. The Noah Christianity Today review was yours Zendaya is Michi. <laughs> viral moment for sure exactly and then i just have to say my favorite comment so a lot of the comments are kind of lost to the sands of time or they were totally nonsensical or they were demanding my resignation which you know awesome um but my favorite was the the woman who wrote midrash more like mid trash (laughs) And I just think no one 
has ever topped that. Man, yeah. It's like, why did I go into writing? You know, there's just so <laughs> many talented people out there. To by this commenter. In the, Man. In the yes. <laughs> Mid-trash. Also, Mid-trash. That whole thing. What is, what is, is, there, is there a term for this in the sort of specific culture war that is purely about symbolism and completely overlooking intent because it the thing that you're talking about the glimbeck stirring up is almost exactly the same controversy around the 2018 ryan gosling movie first man about going to space and they're like there's not even a freaking American flag in this movie. And it's like, there is. And also, it's bunch. the most jingonistic, patriotic movie mm-hmm. uh, like you could possibly make about space travel on that particular mission. And, and like, just the, but the symbolism and, and like saying one nation under God. And so, like, is there a term yeah. for that? It feels like there should be because, well, that sort lying, of thing just, I think, is a good lying. word. <laughs> <laughs> just straight up lying. I mean, I, you know what it is is that there's this deep-seated somewhat anti-semitic distrust of hollywood on certain kind of wavelengths Mm -hmm. um the idea that hollywood is actually secretly crouching in wait to take down your religion and your country which of course is like completely completely counterfactual to the history of hollywood and sort of like the way the pentagon has worked with Hollywood studios for the entirety of its history and the way clergy have been like intimately knitted into Hollywood studio history. Anyhow, all of that is totally counterfactual, but I think it's like if you can find um, something that is sort of technically true. So with first man, the, the Ryan Gosling movie, the, the word was that you don't actually see them planting the flag on the moon, which is technically true. You do not see a moment in which people plant a flag on the moon, but the reason is you've seen that moment. So they instead show you the flag on the moon and kind of like what's going on in his head. Funny. (laughs) Um, That's like saying basic instinct isn't a sexy thriller. There's no shot (laughs) of Michael Douglas. Like (laughs) entering chance. It's like the exact same logic. Yes. And the goal is to make sure that all of your followers will not see the movie, but will be sure that they know what actually happens Mm -hmm. in it so that they can be mad about it and you'll get press. And that's just what it happens every year. This is frankly what happened with the movie Cuties Cuties, this year. It's yeah. And um, it happens every year. It gets dumber every year, I think. But the Noah thing was very eye-opening to me because I was like, oh, well, when people see the movie, they'll know that actually, like, God is a big figure in the movie. And they they talk about the creator. They think a about the creator. A literal God, too. Yeah, it's a not literal like a God. Yeah, they're like whatever. <laughs> right. They're like, we're 10 generations removed from the creation. Like, we think about God a lot. What I had discounted was the fact that people just wouldn't see the movie and still be certain that they knew what was happening in it um it was uh it was a moment in my life what is what a strange kind of movie too to Mm -hmm. um it feel i say this with like every movie that comes out and caroline always makes fun of me but it feels like this is like the last kind of movie (laughs) like this is the last time for (laughs) this kind of movie to get me i mean specifically noah where it's like a hundred whatever the actual in budget was for like Mm -hmm. it's a biblical epic based on the bible and not no i think it is a good point like it is a weird big time studio movie to make now you know like the especially so um, I guess like faithful to the Bible too, and not mm-hmm. even, not like particularly jazzy or pop culture in any way. Like it is a yeah, it's a very 
uh, yeah, very mystical, imaginative, strange film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it actually made double its budget back, um, oh, which wow. I think is, you know, largely due to the presence, I think, of Emma Watson <laughs> um, mm. in the movie. It was like one of her early non-Potter non roles. Mm -hmm. Emma Watson? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she sings at the end, and it sounds 20 presence. times better than anything presence? from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> that, like, no, lilting even, flat no, when she's film. singing to her baby. <laughs> And we are covering this. We are covering this movie in uh, in honor of Kamala Harris, who is also a radical environmentalist who loves late term abortions, uh, which this movie hinges on in its final act. Kevin's letterbox. All right, shut up. Come on. Direct quote. Damn I giggled it. at the. I thought that was so funny, though. I was. I was cracking up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Truly, but it yeah. but it does feel in two parts. It's basically an epic for one part, and then it almost becomes like a strange chambered melodrama by the end of it because the yeah. animals are all asleep, so you don't have to worry about seeing or hearing them <laughs> for the for the second half of the movie. This also like the last Russell Crowe is your leading man in any sense of a conventional leading man movie because there's this and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, one other movie and then he's in nice guys in 2016 and now it's like mm -hmm. this is the russell crowe you're gonna have for the next you know however many years where he's like, it's like 10 times sloppier <laughs> yeah more yeah. of a sloppy russ than a than a clean russ uh which is a little <laughs> bit more in this movie but it it was a movie to me that uh watching it now feels more interesting than it is good and it feels messy mm -hmm. in the most interesting ways and certainly in some of like the most uh, in some of the more visually stunning pieces mm -hmm. of the movie, like Noah's visions and, and people getting flooded and, and the souls around him and even the animal stuff. Uh, and then like his vision of what the fallen angels were, I thought was an interesting adaptation. And it's yeah. so funny because like, like any, anytime you adapt something, you do want to prove a reason for your adaptation because mm -hmm. otherwise it's like, well, just do the thing. Like, it's like why Watchmen 2009 is so bad. Because it's like, well, you're not even you're not even doing anything with it. You're just like quoting the thing word for word, but then yeah. also fully missing the intent at the mm -hmm. same time. And this is more like, yeah, like that Midrash thing of like, okay, here's Noah's wife. Here's uh, an adopted daughter. Here's their names. Here's what uh, we know he was drunk on a beach and and mm -hmm. his his sons had to cover him. How did it get yeah. there? And that sort of like, uh, I love that imagination and the sort of storytelling of like filling the gaps. There's a, there's a movie recently that did this uh, that I thought to great effect where it's like, what if, what if this is a historical thing, but here's all the stuff that was actually going on yeah. underneath it. It just feels obviously mm -hmm. more loaded and more precious when it's literal, uh, literal biblical context. I do want to read one little paragraph from the, oh, you know, we talked about Alyssa's Christianity Today review. You can look that up for yourself. You can also look up Plugged In's review, Focus on the Family's review of Noah. Let's uh, go. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky offers a spectacular and often moving story, but it's obviously not the story of Noah. There's more Tolkien than Torah here, really, and more of Aronofsky himself than both of those. Perhaps this director made the creator in his own image, full of mercy, magic, and environmental sobriety. If you uncouple the movie from the Bible and take Noah as an imaginative fantastic fiction, it can begin to work, but hooked as it is to such a sacred narrative, well... 
let's just say it's hard for some Christians to swallow this whole fractious fable. Harry Potter fans expect Harry Potter movies to stay mostly true to the book. History buffs are known to require historical dramas to actually follow history. Okay. And I think it's wow. reasonable then for Christians to ask that the stories most precious to them be treated with faithfulness and that movies based on them would, you know, it says, you know, in the, you know, <laughs> stay at least in the ballpark. But Mr. Aronofsky, Aronofsky has chosen a different tack. And so the ancient truth about Noah becomes more of a pretext for Middle-earth rock monsters and a tormented half-mad Noah ready to kill his own kin. Oh my gosh. I love the idea that only Christians own this story. Yes. <laughs> well. First of all, what? error there. <laughs> also, isn't the story of Noah like, like 10 verses? It's very short in the Bible. It's more of like it's a It's four chapters. Yeah, it's like, it yeah. is. Yeah, it is very scary. It's real short. Yeah, I meant I to also, read it in between. I totally forgot to. It's Didn't very you guys read this story? Hmm? I mean, not recently. I in probably, the Bible. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read it. We could probably do it right now. I know. It's very, very short. Um, and the funny thing is that this actually sticks very close to the narrative in the Bible. It just adds things. It, it fills. Really, yeah. It doesn't change, mm-hmm. really. It just it doesn't kinda, change a thing. It fills it um, out. It just adds things to it. I mean, I know, like, the rock monsters, for some reason, really set people off um, a lot. I love um, it. I think it's great. Yeah, the tubal cane <laughs> thing, right, where there's, like, a stowaway on the ark, mm-hmm. that set people off. Oh, um, right. The thing with the snake skin that kind of like is a little magical set people off as well. Huh. Um, and then the environmental is- stuff really set them off as well. Yeah. The idea that, which is in the text of That's the Bible. in the text, yes. <laughs> I mean, there's like a lot of biblical scholars who say that the fact that it's it's sort of blatantly in the text the the way that people were eating um and drinking animals blood and the way they were abusing the land was a big reason that the flood occurred the mm-hmm. the apocalypse occurred um yeah but i think the funniest part of all of this is when i wrote about it i got i did get a lot of emails from people who were like why did they make up all that stuff about him getting drunk at the end <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> that's really actually quite, in the bible quite there and that's really actually yeah. russell crowe they didn't even plan to shoot that they just found him on the beach <laughs> they just ended him a box of wine yeah they were like go to town buddy yeah I, well, I one thing i thought that was kind of interesting that they did take away that i think would have been kind of cool if he explored a little bit was is that the angels that were on earth slept with human women yep. and made giants. Like that's yep. part of the story as well. <laughs> yep. Instead, they just turned them into rock people, which maybe he just like didn't even want to touch that, you know, or whatever. But I thought that would have been interesting to talk about too, because I mean, that is like such a fucking bizarre thing that it is in our Genesis, like in our NIV Genesis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a book that um, was actually part of my homeschool curriculum in maybe the sixth grade I believe it was called Adam and his kin and it was like a retelling of um of Genesis 1 through 11 which I believe is the end of the flood um sort of filling in all those gaps um and it oh, talked at length about this idea um you know cuz you know if you take it literally there's a long long passage of time that happens here yeah. even though it's yeah. only 10 generations but all these crazy things happen um and I remembered hearing all of this stuff. And so when I watched the movie, I was like, wow, this is so great. They like got all this stuff in and yet it's like an interesting story. 
and then people just lost their minds because I guess Noah for most people is um like the little magnet <laughs> the little rubber magnet sure. that you like put on yes. your refrigerator with the little animals in it yeah, yeah it's felt he's the little boy. felt mm-hmm. boy. yeah uh-huh and he's like he yeah I feel like his his impression on people is like neutral to good, you know, like just mm-hmm. kind of like he's just a guy who obeyed and did the right thing, you know, and yeah. also he loved animals. So we love him, you know, yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm like, Noah, there's no way he loved animals by the end of this. No <laughs> way. Fine. Right. And then on top of it, um, I realized that my conception of Noah had never taken into account the fact that he would see all of humanity die like in, yes. the, in the kind of literalist version of this the story. way they did that mm-hmm. in the film was really moving mm-hmm. and i feel like mm-hmm. yeah we had never talked about that in bible classes or anything like what would it be like to be inside the ark and hear all of humanity literally screaming until yeah. they die like outside. and just Ugh. closing the door and saying no you can't yeah. come here like if you didn't and you have, have to rationalize that <laughs> and if you didn't have like major trauma from experiencing that there would be actually something very wrong with you um, you know, and, and we so skip to the rainbow, you know, <laughs> and, like, and it was always good. like, uh, they floated around and then a dove <laughs> appeared with some olive and it was like, ah, okay, we're going to like have a new life now. And there was a rainbow. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense that Noah would get like crazy drunk because um, he's dealing with guilt. <laughs> he has PTSD mm-hmm. from killing the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all would. Yeah, I, I or I wonder if that's what the the writers of this story meant too. You know, of like if the, if that's what he was dealing with, or is it more like, see, look, even this guy was a wicked man at the end of the day who like didn't have control over himself. You know. Well, so I heard them do a Q and A on this, and um, and Aronofsky's co writer Ari Handel is um, he like dove way deep into Jewish literature to to write this. I mean, he was they were they're both um. I don't know if they said they were agnostic or atheistic, but they both don't really believe any of this stuff. But they're super interested in it and really bent on being very faithful to Jewish interpretations of the story. And so they dove way down the rabbit hole on this in ways that I'm sure was like really annoying for their various partners to listen to (laughs) for that whole time. Um, Aronofsky annoying to his partner. I couldn't. Can't imagine the it, scarf right? man cometh himself. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they said one one of the most interesting things they said was, well, we didn't want to have God talk in the movie because we didn't feel like we could do that in a respectful way. Um, so instead, we decided that Noah would go through the ark that we also saw the character of God going through silently, which is that he is sort of angry with people and then he does this terrible thing and then he feels bad about it <laughs> and oh, so interesting noah's personality arc is supposed to match the one that god is going through in the background um wow. and i was like you know i could i could imagine people being like well god doesn't do that or whatever but i think that um that was a fascinating way to handle a very difficult narrative idea rather than having I don't know Denzel Washington be like no. <laughs> right <laughs> you know? yeah right, okay. even in um have you ever seen the movie Prince of Egypt or, mm-hmm. or read about that too I think they mm-hmm. had the same very same issue where um I know especially in the Jewish tradition it's really disrespectful to like take on the voice of God or to mm-hmm. like speak for him or anything like that Christians uh, Protestant Christians were like let's do it all day <laughs> put in our songs who cares <laughs> um, but but uh, so they the way they did it was they had like the entire cast 
whisper the lines and they like merged all their voices together mm. to make the voice of God and so that it wouldn't be any one person or like a kind of person that could speak as God which I thought was kind of a cool way to deal with mm-hmm. it so the adaptation the, this is a little fact I found funny the adaptation started uh when <laughs> and and I think uh Aronofsky's interest in it when he was in seventh grade his English teacher said take out a pen and paper and write a poem about peace and he wrote one about called The Dove, and it was about Noah. And he said he didn't know this, but it was a contest, and it was for the United Nations, and he ended up reading the poem at a UN convention. Whoa! Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like a little seventh grade boy. Yes. And he yeah. said it was like the first time I really wrote something, I won something, so it's like it was my first time I was an official storyteller. So we owe, we owe everything to Noah everything. in that respect. <laughs> I, Globalism. I, <laughs> I just love that this was his this was his passion project. Like <laughs> yeah. at this point yeah. he is a famous man. He could have done many different things and he's just clearly totally fascinated by the Bible. I cuz if you not to talk too much about mother but one thing I heard him say in the press cycle for Noah was that one thing that they had realized was that there's a certain strain of Jewish tradition that says that God created the world and kept destroying it until he got it right. And oh, the wow. flood is a is the destructive act. And so there's this idea that it kept happening until finally he got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Mother is about. Mother is a movie about God creating the world and destroying mm-hmm. it over and over till he gets it right. Um, so it was funny to hear that. But I just love that, like, this haunts him so much as a filmmaker and as a guy who makes totally different kinds of films too. Yeah. Well, and this um, was a real like legitimate blank check in the, in the sense of like black Swan doing unexpectedly well and the stuff. Yes. What was it before? It was the fountain before that and Requiem mm-hmm. before dream before that. So just not, not this, not a hundred mil plus epic movies. And so when black Swan does so well, and gets all those Oscar noms and stuff. What do you want to do? I'm going to make freaking Noah based on my, you know, poem from seventh grade. It it is actually where his heart is. I know this plus mothers. Have you seen mother Caroline? Yeah, I have. You did see mother. Did you like it? Oh man. Right. It's hard to say. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like at the time I saw it after walking out of the theater, I felt so awful and like depressed and like, upset that I had seen that and then but later on like I still think about so many of the scenes from that movie and like it's so potent and Mm -hmm. yeah and applicable to a lot of things so I I don't know what I think about it I don't know yeah I I saw it at the Toronto Film Festival at its premiere and I um it was my first time at the festival and I walked into the press screening and sat down and they had put little cards um, on our seats, which is very unusual for a press screening, and they had printed mm-hmm. on them a um, rewriting of the Lord's Prayer aimed at Mother, <laughs> meaning Mother Earth, um, oh, rewritten gosh. by Rebecca Solnit, and um, <laughs> the, and then the wow. movie started, and immediately, like within a f- couple minutes, it was very obvious that he had just dropped us into the biblical narrative because there's like a Cain and Abel thing that happens and like later on there's like a Eucharist and they like give ashes. It's just the Bible. Um, But uh, the friend I was sitting next to leaned over and was like, he made a movie for you. (laughs) I know what to do with this movie. Um, But yeah, they go together. If you can put those two and the fountain together, you have like a nice little trilogy of like Mm. mystical movies about 
about the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember seeing yeah. the Fountain Theaters. I made my friend Katie Trapani go with me. I was like a 15-year-old boy, 16-year-old, because it was 2006. Yeah. And yeah, I, I remember walking out. I think we were the only two in the theater. We were just like, okay, uh, I don't know. <laughs> this is yeah, kind of in a daze. But yes, I it, it, there is some sort of obsessed quality he has with this stuff. And the the theme in this movie in particular, like, is humanity worth saving? Mm-hmm. How do we be faithful to the things God has called us to? Um, how, how does that work itself out? And I do find that like an interesting and, and, and compelling conflict. And also, I think too, just in terms of like us deconstructing some evangelical stuff growing up, the yeah. thing of oh, this is what we think we're called to, or like what we're supposed to do, or the, or these like tenets of theology and faith. Or morality that we're supposed to, and then just like whatever the metaphorical us holding the dagger over the child is, and being like, "No, this shit sucks. I'm not doing this. This is <laughs> yeah. stupid." Like, yeah. and, and having to do it with it, and then kind of feeling broken. It is a movie in some respects about deconstruction in that way too. Mm-hmm. And Noah having mm-hmm. to deconstruct, like, "Oh, I thought God was trying to do this. I don't know." And then mm-hmm. I think it was humanity supposed to be, but then she's pregnant, so I'm not sure. Which, by the way. I, I'm I'm too dumb and I I don't know that much about the Bible, but how how does how does humanity continue with just these two uh girls, the the two children? Is it incest? Well, well in the in the real story, all the brothers have wives. Not yes. they're not all incels like Logan Lerman trying <laughs> to find the girl yes. random ass. But Still, it is like for sure incest because they were at least all cousins, you know, yes. <laughs> they were marrying each other. So, yeah, that, I yeah. thought that was funny. They didn't even try to answer that in this movie. They're just like, mankind will continue. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, it's, you know, if uh, if you locked your your extended family in a bunker and then a nuclear war happened. <laughs> oh, God. Well, what you got. Said, no. Yeah. Well, and also, like, the basic question of, like, Adam and Eve and how did people mm-hmm. go from there. I'm, I remember just kind of hop skipping around that in school completely and not really under, like, dealing with that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but going back to Kevin to what you were saying, even in my reflection of watching the movie, I am realizing, like, the the evangelical Christian tendency to see some deaths as like inconsequential and fine and like righteous and some as totally like heart wrenching and sad and like these babies. But even early in the film pre arc or whatever, Noah kills a couple guys, like no problem. Mm -hmm. And then murders, you know, literally the entire human race or doesn't try to save any of them. And we we don't blink about it for the most part. You know, I mean, besides the screaming, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, those guys died because they're bad. But, (laughs) you know, but like though this these new baby girls like that's great. You know, it's so sad if they would die or whatever. And I feel like that's such a mirror of like my attitude about so many Old Testament genocides that happen and even as like a young Christian of thinking that like environmental disasters or people dying in other country aren't really my problem, but Americans dying or Christians dying is like the worst thing that could ever happen. Hmm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Co- like yeah. collateral, collateral damage. Yes. Totally um, just collateral mm-hmm. and d- not even worth in thinking about or investigating at all. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Which I right. think it's hard for us to even have a sober realistic grasp on right now given the mm-hmm. state of things on on what is a worthy death in the weight Ugh. of life and in yeah. the numbers are yeah. just beyond comprehension mm-hmm. right now where it yeah. just it literally doesn't make 
sense uh, in in, yeah. in the in terms of like how to grieve that too, which mm-hmm. I I don't know if those were any like trigger points for any uh, thoughts or memories for us watching this in terms of like flood and pandemic. I'm not to force a square peg into a round hole with it, but there were you know. I don't know in terms of like, and I don't feel like the, <laughs> that's one thing I am happy about is that this year I did not think, oh, coronavirus is God's judgment for whatever, yeah. <laughs> socialism, you know, yeah. whatever. Gay marriage no or idea. whatever it happens to be. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although you certainly can see a, a harmony there because there was talk about how there are environmental reasons that a virus could jump to human population, right? And that, like, uh, doctors I was talking to early on when I was kind of reporting on coronavirus were saying, oh, well, you know, there definitely are environmental reasons that this happened. Um, and that, you know, that that's always true whenever these things happen. And so that's actually, like, in harmony with the text and certainly with this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's not so far as saying, like, ah, it's divine judgment, but there is some kind of a reason that these things happen. But I, I, I think I love I do really, truly love this movie for making Noah into a guy who is dealing with survivor's guilt, because I feel like survivor's guilt is something that, you know, the flip side of saying, oh, these this is just collateral damage. I'm not going to think about it. As soon as we start thinking about human lives lost, I feel like it's hard to kind of deal with, like, why am I still here? Yeah, we would probably um, be drunk on the beach right now, too. Yeah. And any <laughs> movie about survivor's guilt is usually about soldiers coming back from war. So this mm-hmm. is a totally different way to approach that question. And um, I feel like the movie was underrated for what it was actually doing because people were so fixated on like the Bible-ness the of it all. stuff. I know. Well, mm-hmm. and that, see, that's what's so, that's what, uh, this is my conundrum with it, which it's so interesting to think about and talk about. And it is interesting to watch. It doesn't, I, I'm, it doesn't work for me watching it. It's not an entertaining experience. The no. two hours and 18 minutes of watching it. I'm like, this is interesting to understand Darren and to understand like all these things, but it's just yeah. not, and maybe that's like a, a, a general reticence to swords and sandals epics to begin with, but it, <laughs> it also just doesn't, it, it feels, it feels messy. Like the next mm-hmm. half of uh, Russell's career, I guess. Will be. <laughs> also, I Do don't know. I think that's because of like the performances too, because I felt like a lot of them were a little, well, there's diversity Black. issues to, I mean, which I know yes. the writer. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, yes. we just saw that, that he did say we saw as a Jewish story. And so the race didn't matter. When of course, they would have been. Of right. course, they would not have been Lily White. <laughs> right. Right. For Connolly. <laughs> you know, it's funny um, because I've been watching a bunch of biblical epics for uh-huh. for my own podcast um, because they keep popping up uh, to remember that like so actual sword and sandals movies were super popular mainly because during the production code in Hollywood, you could only slip racy content into a movie if it was from the Bible. <laughs> Like you oh could my fly gosh, under the right. Ramp. Yeah, so like so, the sexy dances and stuff mm-hmm, they would do. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are some, like the prodigal son is an interesting one. Or um, we did one on the on the book of Ruth. 
the story of Ruth, sorry, mm-hmm. which they turn into this like very kind of like sexy and hot um, romance. And it was funny to me that they kind of don't really bother doing that at all in this movie. Like this is a <laughs> bummer yeah, of a movie. There's no start there, to finish. Yeah, there's hard. Well, I guess there's a little bit of sex, but you don't even really get to see yeah, it. Yeah, the, and there's like some violence and some magic. But at the end of the day, this is just like a bummer of a movie about people who are a bummer and how humanity is a bummer <laughs> and, and how we keep, you know, his point is like we just keep doing the same thing and if we get wiped out it's our own damn fault yeah um, does darren so, is darren aronofsky funny at all has he does he have a sense of humor in any of his movies i have never met him and i had the only funny thing i can think of off the top of my head in any of his movies is when um the scene in mother with the sink where the sink isn't braced and it falls off and this is like oh, a long yeah. running oh, yeah. joke um <laughs> but it's not a funny thing i i wouldn't expect him to be a very humorous man um, but who knows? <laughs> no, I, w- I wouldn't either. But... Methuselah was kind of funny, I guess. Yeah. With his Barry obsession. I, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the casting of this. They said like, oh, maybe Christian Bale or maybe Michael Fassbender would have been no if they were available, but it was Russell Crowe. I say no to Connolly. I say no to Watson in these roles oh my too, God. right? Just yes. too Emma Watson just what frail? she was stuck in a paper bag couldn't act her way out of it for mm-hmm. me personally and I just don't understand why we keep putting her in stuff she could she could be a wonderful UN ambassador and I can encourage her on that <laughs> yeah do you think that's yeah. why he cast her is because of the UN connection like I was doing seventh grade <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. ambassador now yeah you also understand. in 2014 you know she's still very Hermione yeah <laughs> she's so young. So- I don't know. Who would you cast as Noah if you could pick? I think Bale would have been much better. I think. I'm trying to think of but like I feel a... like he's done that so many times. Is that well, yeah. he literally did a Exodus movie instead. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did, right. which is a real bad movie. Yeah. Just a real bad movie. I, I don't know. I've thought about this quite a bit, and I've never... I feel like Al Molina would have been a good, a good Noah oh, or yeah. someone I like that. that. I want uh, someone like a little softer, you know, because mm. for most of Noah's story, he is just someone that's like tending to the earth and like taking care of his family, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell that's if he was actually or not I yeah but uh, he can also kick ass lest we forget Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess that's a big part of the story I know the the parts where this thing is an action movie too Stanley (laughs) Tucci Stanley Tucci is my ideal Noah that would be really dreamy soft also like kind of a badass it'd be great yeah Every movie should have Stanley Tucci in it. Maybe even J.K. Simmons, you know, if we're talking about going down that bald man, soft and also rock Mm -hmm. hard uh, vibe. Hmm. (laughs) Or or Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Swinton. (laughs) Or Scarlett Johansson. You heard it. (laughs) You know, she is a chameleon. Yep. Um, Oh, we love her. Yeah. And also I felt, I I didn't understand understand like where jennifer Connolly, the character of the the i just call her the wife i don't know what her name is um but like where she came from exactly her name's lemley like, no i don't know her name it's <laughs> i guess she, just, where she, she came is from? actually kane's descendant yes oh okay. um which is just like a fun little easter egg i feel like in this movie for people to try and untangle that one <laughs> yeah. i mean this is the thing we're talking about people who live to be like a thousand years old so generations right. don't quite uh don't quite check out on that oh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah Name, uh, yes. The descendant of Cain. She's only mentioned daughter of Lamech and Zilla. Zilla. Youngest child mentioned. So she has mentioned, and I think they just like, uh, 
uh, fanfic'd it into being. Yeah, uh, them I, as if a I remember correctly, Lamech is Kane's son. It's so oh, weird okay. how interesting this is, and then watching it, I'm just like, all right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea, I don't know what it would be. I don't know what the correct. I don't, I don't think it's just casting, but just like the idea of like, here's this myth. Here's all the parts that you didn't think about. Like it's so interesting. Like okay, what's the math we have to do to get to drunk no on the mm-hmm. beach? Like that's such an interesting problem to solve. And then execution. Yeah, I I feel like it is actually probably the best version of whatever it is, and I can't imagine a version of this movie that would be actually entertaining. I I don't think Aronofsky should ever have more than thirty million, right? (laughs) The budget was simply too high. Uh, He's probably spending all the scarves anyway. Um. Oh, another interesting part. I kind of wanted to. <laughs> scarf man, how he really does wear those scarves. He Just loves them strong everywhere all the time. Um, <laughs> scarf wearer. I I think that another interesting facet that I had never really thought of in in my like old olden days reading of Noah was the fact that angels felt pity for humans and mm-hmm. came down to help them. Like that's a big part of this story yeah. too. And then they get cranky for various reasons about it. But that that to me also is such a yeah, non-evangelical suggestion because yeah. Christian God, like he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have regrets. There's no intervening with his plan. But for his angels to come down because they could see how hard it was on human beings to like handle life or whatever mm-hmm. and, and like came to help. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so powerful. And I actually, I think the angels were my favorite characters in this movie mm-hmm. and like the ways that they reacted to things. And like when they rip themselves open and explode out that like angel thing that goes straight to heaven. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I'm fine yeah. with Bible fanfic. More of that. More yeah. of like, yeah, the imagination <laughs> running wild with that. Also do want to mention the fun fact that, um, a lot of the interior arc scenes were shot in New York and they had to postpone it because of Hurricane Sandy. <laughs> so because of legit flooding and uh, a hurricane, they did have to postpone oh filming some of those scenes, Ooh. which is great. Yeah. Uh, yes. Anything else we want to mention before we, we rate this thing? Give it the roaster toast. I mean, it's interesting, right? Um, do you recommend oh. people watch this or should they just listen to this? Do they go? Oh, I totally think people should watch it like i I, the reason i think people should watch it is to see i'm always in favor of people seeing studio weird movies because there are none anymore because marvel just like took over and ate the industry and so i think it's great when people are like oh right like we don't have to have superheroes from comic books in order to have crazy movies epic story yeah yeah but it's definitely like a throw it on in the afternoon kind of movie not like form your movie night around it would you if you had to choose one would you say mother or noah as a recommendation if you want oh i think mother is far more entertaining but it will also absolutely drive you out of your head michelle pfeiffer alone in mother is out of you (laughs) is wilding out so much she's playing satan in that movie it's amazing she's satan good i thought she was well, she's she's she becomes kind of the snake, right? Um, she has a kind of serpentine. I need to thing watch going. Mother again. I'm gonna ask her about yes. this on her Instagram. I missed all of that. <laughs> uh, oh, I wanted to say one more thing, which is I really liked whenever they did um, like shadow puppet scenes. Uh, when they like reenact little history moments, I just I thought that was beautiful, and that was so weird. But I I don't know something about Wait, it. Wait, shadow like, puppet? Oh, you mean the silhouettes? Yeah, I thought you meant little shadow puppets. Oh yeah, it looked like shadow puppets to me. That's why I was like, oh, that's kind of like a fun like 
Sunday school look to, yeah. to tell the story. I thought that was kind of neat. All right. Well, let's let's rate this thing. The way this works the list is we give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Thumbs up is a holy toast. That's when we say to this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or thumbs down is a holy roast. That's when we say. No, 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 no. Or <laughs> we send it to purgatory, which is. The space and we'll start with Caroline. I think this is a perfect space between for me because uh, for all the reasons we've noted, it's not entertaining to watch. It's not like it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be anybody's like favorite movie, but uh, especially if you grew up, you know, close to the Bible and close to the story, it is a head scratcher. And um, I I do really like when all these characters or figures we've, we've become so familiar, familiar with get filled in with actual humanity and regret and desire and all those things. I, I thought that was really cool. So Space between her. Space between her. We turn to Alyssa. So I think I'm going to go thumbs up for very film critic-y reasons, which is that it gives me hope that movies like this were made less than a decade ago, and I would like to see more filmmakers doing crazy things with lots Mm -hmm. of money um, just to see what they come up with. And, And I'm always a bigger fan of a swing and a miss than I am of no swing at all. Um, and also, I will always harbor a soft spot for this movie f- just sure. for the midrash, mid trash. Yeah. Mid-rash. <laughs> and yes, th- th- the seminal moment in your career, you always associate with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, yes. I mean, to that note, to that point, Alyssa, doesn't it feel like it will happen again, but it'll be on Netflix? Or I guess that's what's happening right now, right? It, yeah, it it's it is happening right now. I, Netflix is great at giving a lot of money to people to make sort of bad movies, although not always bad movies. Um, so, although there's one coming out this this week that's a particularly bad one that I've spent all day on, and I won't tell you what it is. You can just guess. When okay, it comes out. okay, I'll put that away <laughs> in the, the old Mank Bank up top. Well, I will. Oh uh, no, it's not that one. <laughs> oh, it's not Mank. Okay. Uh, oh, it's not Mank. <laughs> Mank's great. <laughs> uh, I I will give a space between two. What a strange. <laughs> even the score, even Clint Mansell's thing. I was like, is this good? I don't think so. Yes, no. <laughs> and visually, like the weird kind of time lapsey things he was doing, and Caroline was saying like the silhouette stuff they were interesting choices but i I don't know i also think mother is more campy fun too so if you have to choose one Mm -hmm. choose the one where jennifer lawrence is yelling at people about the sink but we're not the final word on this go to at christian fun pod yourself you can give it a roast or toast or space between so get out there and pokemon go to the polls (laughs) (laughs) we did it we did it joe We did it. Yay, we finally got our viral we clip. We did it, Joe. <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> oh, we did it, Joe. Okay, we're bringing it down now. We're dimming the lights. We're lighting the candles in here. Oh, that's too scary. I'm going to turn it back on. I'm sorry. Uh, you do that. The way this works, Alyssa, on other shows, you promote yourself or your own projects or your own social media handles. We're not here to do that. We're here to lift them up by mentioning our social media handles and where people can find you and projects of yours to check out. So we start as per usual with Caroline. Good evening. Good evening. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Follow me. You know what? I am going to bring my Twitter back up because I I, I feel like lately this, I've had a good streak and I I would like people to, I'd like people to know what I was talking about. So you can follow me at Twitter on Caroline's farts. Um, And get some bell hive in there. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, Bellhive, come for me, please. I would love to talk to you. Um, but the uh, the show I'm going to recommend is What We Do in the Shadows, a good show I revisited. Uh, perfect for, like, if you want something funny, but you want it to be good <laughs> or to be, like, quality, go ahead and watch that show. It's a very funny mockumentary about vampires. Okay, great. Uh, we turn it to Alyssa. Oh, um, well, I am on Twitter a lot, so that's probably where to go. Um, oh, yeah. Which is at, <laughs> Great follow. At, at Alyssa Marie, not Wilkinson, because someone grabbed that underneath mm-hmm. me. Um, I don't know. I feel basic saying this, but I watched The Queen's Gambit on Netflix last <gasps> week, yes. and it was just really good, and it was good uh, because, number one, really great costumes and set design. Yes. Number oh two, um, it is one of those shows where you think you know what's going to happen every time a plot point pops up and then it does the opposite. And it's just very satisfying yes. that it does that. And then the third reason is I really like a show that's about a super talented, super genius who then sort of reaches the end of her talent and has to figure out whether she's going to accept help and actually start working. And I feel like we don't have enough of those Um in pop culture and also it's just like seven episodes long so you can binge it in a weekend if you wish it's sure it's, so it's sure you can Alyssa, it did you uh, i think one of my favorite things about that show was the different um signage they made for every different chess tournament she goes yes. to <laughs> and how it's like all this different like 60s graphic design but like the yes. russian version and then like the parisian version mm-hmm. i just I thought that was so fun yeah the the set design made me think of mad men which is a show mm. i missed a lot yeah. oh yeah so, and my podcast is Young Adult Movie Ministry, which is a tongue-in-cheek name. It's really not for y- youthful people. Um, it is a <laughs> it is a sixty-five long, and up. Yeah, long, long-winded <laughs> chat about a movie um, with two uh, uh, kids who grew up really, really evangelical and are just figuring stuff out. So um, we're at youngadultmovieministry.com and. We are on Instagram at Young Adult Movie Ministry, and I believe we're on Twitter at YamPod, Y-A-M-M-Pod. Yes. YamPod. Um, my, my co-host runs the Twitter and always refers to himself as a bucket of angry crabs. So um, it'll be great. <laughs> You'll have fun. <laughs> I mean, it's such a, just a perfect podcast for our listeners also to check out. It couldn't be more perfect. I think so. I think that'll do it. Yeah, this is like, what, what if this was, uh, what if Good Christian Fun was hosted by... Two educated people. Experts. <laughs> Actual experts. Talented writers. <laughs> what would that be like? <laughs> or just two people who are trying to re-traumatize yes. one another. Yeah, oh, we love re-traumatizing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Alyssa. Um, you can follow me at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. Um, you know what? I, I'll say follow. follow. Oh, okay, so there is one guy who has been killing it for me. And he, he doesn't have a huge following, but he has nailed cool pastor cadence, even though that's not his thing. He's not doing like TikToks of pastors, but he's nailed what that cadence is. It's a guy named Eric Rayhill, and he has so many funny front-facing videos. So if you go to at Eric underscore Rayhill, his, all his stuff is so, so great. 10 out of 10 can't recommend it enough he does have one about talking to brad pitt about christianity he he's so good he's so good at all that stuff so check him out and you can follow us everywhere at, at christian fun pod everywhere you can go to patreon.com slash good christian fun for more good christian fun every week and you can leave us a review on the apple podcasts 
Every review you leave on Apple Podcasts, we donate a dollar to charity. And this month's charity is, of course, the Echo Park Fund. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, friend. What a fun, fun time. I mean, you, you have flooded our ears today with excitement. And two by two. Wait, I didn't even talk Headed about basement. Wait, I'm so excuse me. And I'll leave it at this. I won't go into it too much, but I should have spoken to this because I was in an adaptation of the Noah story. It was a musical called Anchors Away, and it was oh a gosh. 1940s like anything goes style musical. And I played a skunk. And Aww. so there's a litany Aww. of things we could have talked about that we didn't. I was Samuel Skunk. I had a wife named Sweet What a thing. shame. Yeah. Aww. Well, it's a, hey, second service. <laughs> second service. We'll talk about the skunk roll. Oh, my gosh. And there's nothing left to say except for an off pods. People said, amen. Now, for some reason, uh, Patty Smith sings the song in the credits of this movie. So I guess we're going to listen to this now. This is a song called Mercy Is, which is not available on Spotify, but you can find it on YouTube. It's kind of interesting. The Kronos Quartet and Patti Smith, who I once saw accidentally at Amoeba Records uh, doing an impromptu concert. And that was weird. Kind of fun. Very very recognizable voice. Mm -hmm. Okay, here it comes. can't hear it. Wait, can you guys hear it? You can't? <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> really? Oh, no, you really can't hear it? Well, it rocks. <laughs> I just imagine the tune in my head. <laughs> okay, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.